the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. It's Tim DeMoss Show a little bit after 4. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you're doing well today. Had some sunshine for a while, heading to a cloudy evening. Hit around 52, 53 for the high today, down to 38 tonight. Making a shower or two, then starting cloudy tomorrow. Some sunshine expected in the afternoon, breezy, high of 64. Peaking ahead to Thursday, some sun and clouds, and a high near 60. Sixers lost to Dallas last night. Wasn't even close. Still holding on to that third seed, uh, three seed in the uh, NBA uh, Eastern Conference and looking pretty good for the playoffs at this point. Flyers are at Dallas this evening out of the playoffs. Still a few games to go, 8.30. And the Phillies are at Washington tonight, 7.05. Start for that. We are looking forward to having a gentleman named Danny Goldberg on with us a little later on. He was the manager for a very famous rock group called Nirvana. You may have heard of. They kind of started a whole thing back in the early 90s. I was working in radio at the time in State College. I went to Penn State, managed to squeeze four years into six. And I remember specifically hearing their first song called Smells Like Teen Spirit come on the radio. And at the time, we were playing a lot of pop and all kinds of stuff, and it just really stood out. And um, there's a book he has written that's kind of a gentle retelling of, of what or telling of the, of the years he worked together with him in the early 90s. Uh, Kurt Cobain, speaking of which, the lead singer of, of Nirvana, this is the 25-year anniversary of him taking his life. It's a very sad story in a lot of ways, but there's also uh, another side to him that uh, Mr. Goldberg wanted to share. So I thought, you know, that's cool. Let's, let's uh, have him on for a little bit. I remember that, that being a big part of my radio Lifetime is a long time ago. I've been doing this for 30 years. So in any case, we have a few minutes with him a little later on in the hour. We also have some stuff to give away. Dunkin' and Wawa cards, courtesy of Briner Chevrolet. So be ready to call in to win, 800-560-WFIL. Before we do any of that, though, we uh, are glad to be able to bring in a good friend of the radio program, the one and only Gary G. Cobb from gcobb.com and many other sources here. Hello, my friend. How you doing? I'm doing great, Tim. How are you? Wonderful. Gary, a former Eagle and Cowboy and uh, Detroit Lion, longtime Philly broadcaster. Did you ever leave the Philly market, by the way, to work in radio or TV elsewhere? Or have you always been in Philly? Uh, I've always been in Philly. You know, because uh, you know, we come here. Uh, oh, well. Hold on one second. Here. There you go. Okay, go ahead. Sorry, we dropped out there a little bit. Go ahead. Try again. Yeah, yeah. Well, but right now I'm down in Fort Lauderdale, Ah. <laughs> uh, your connection's not so good. Because we're down there, Bush. There you go. It's, it's not a good connection? Yeah, it's kind of in and out. You must be having yeah. too much fun on the beach. I, I know. Well, I have to go down. 
Okay. We'll uh, wait. <laughs> let's do this. Let's let's do a let's do a quick break, Joe. If you can throw our first break on, we'll come back and see if we can get a better connection with G. Uh, Gary G. Cobble will join us here in just a second. We'll try and get this cleared up and then uh, jump into a couple of things about the Philly sports scene. Get G's take. He's been he's played the sports. He's reported on him. He knows a lot. He also is a godly guy. He's got usually some good words of wisdom. So we want to hear him clearly. We'll do that here in just a moment. It's Tim DeMoss Show, AM560, WFIL, WFIL.com. You're listening to a podcast of the Tim DeMoss Show. Heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM560, WFIL, and at WFIL.com. It's 4.09, the Tim DeMoss Show, AM560, WFIL, WFIL.com. Checking in now with Gary G. Cobb, seeing if we have a better connection. How you doing, G? Are you there? Oh, no. I think it's missing. Do I have the right button pushed? I do. We may have lost them. Well, I'll tell you what. We'll, we'll, uh, Joe, if you want to try one more time on the phone, that's fine. I'll, uh, I actually have something I can... Uh, let folks know about here. Uh, had a chance to go down to the ballpark, the Phillies, on Sunday for the first time this season. They, you know, of course, just played three games at home, but started off very nicely, and uh, it was good to get down there. And, and uh, we hope to do a number of uh, trips to the ballpark this year uh, in terms of covering the game and uh, building a nice rapport with some of the players and uh, have them on the program. Hopefully, over the course of the season, maybe we'll have a listener day at the ballpark or something. But one of the things I got to do was my first opportunity to meet uh, Bryce Harper in a Phillies uniform. I have met him in a uh, Nationals uniform. He, of course, played for them for, I guess, seven seasons before signing that crazy contract with the Phils. 13 years, $330 million. The Phillies won all three games against the Atlanta Braves. And Sunday night, I was down there and uh, had an opportunity to talk with him and ask him, uh, some questions along with some of the other media. And he just uh, talked for a moment about how it was to, you know, sum things up after going 3-0 and sweeping Atlanta. And here's what he had to say. You know, we were playing good ball. Um, the pitchers are throwing well. Um, defense playing good. Scoring runs when we need to. Clutch hitting, things like that. So, of course, every series not, isn't going to be like that. Um, but, you know, I hope it is. And um, you know, I thought we uh, did a great job uh, the last three days. That's Bryce Harper of the Phillies. And, uh uh, over the weekend, they swept the team, they swept the Braves, and then uh, talked about, hey, you know what? This first weekend went about as well as it could in front of the home fans. It's been great. Um, the fans showed up uh, for us each night, and uh, especially when it's cold out there tonight, they still showed up, and you know that's what it's all about. You know, they uh, they grind with us all year long, and that's what they're going to do, and uh, you know we appreciate that uh, tremendously, and they expect us to play good baseball, and uh, we expect ourselves to play good baseball. So as a team, you know, we're we're going to go out there and you know, play the games we need to play, and play hard, and do it the right way, and. That's Bryce Harper and the uh, ping pong courtesy of several players who were enjoying the fact that they had just won a game uh, going in the background. One other uh, opportunity for Bryce, of course, uh, he's going to be going back to Washington tonight. That's where the Phillies play. And it's his first trip back to the team he played for for a lot of years. What's he expecting? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure, uh, you know, some cheers, some booze as well. Um, you know, it's part of the game. It's, uh, you know, it's part of sports. So, you know, I'll, I'll always remember and cherish, you know, all the screaming and, you know, yelling and, you know, the exciting times that we had the last seven years. Like I've said before, you know, I wish them nothing but the best, uh, you know, all the players in that clubhouse. A great fan base, great city to live in. You know, I'm just excited to get back, compete, um, you know, do what we need to do as a team. I'm a Philadelphia Philly, so I'm excited to be a Philly, excited to be in the, you know, the city of Philadelphia. And, uh, you know, we're going back there to, you know, 
play a good team in, in the Nationals, and uh, you know we're going to do it a couple more times this year and you know, a couple more times in the next 13 years. That's Bryce Harper of the Philadelphia Phillies just a couple of nights ago down at the ballpark. And just to be clear, it wasn't Bryce playing ping pong. <laughs> it was uh, some of his teammates. In any case, uh, Gary G. Cobb has uh, had his share of fun locker room moments. He played for the Eagles and Cowboys and Lions, and he's covered all those teams. And now we have him on, I think. You there, G? I'm right here. Yeah, there you go. So... <laughs> Sometimes the players don't really realize, or they do when they don't care. But you know, they're playing ping. I guess ping- oh, they, they don't care. I mean, come on. If anything, sometimes guys will mess with you if you're doing an interview or things uh, just how to get a kick out of. Uh, you know, they, they, they think it's funny. Uh, so uh, and you 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 got to know that um, if you seem bothered by something that they're doing. You know, that gives them motivation to continue. So <laughs> you try to act like, you know, you're not being bothered by it. So, uh, yeah. But I, I'm sure they, they were playing on purpose. You know, when they saw <laughs> they say, hey, let's play uh, some ping pong. You know, let's have some fun. <laughs> well, I have had it worse where their music is blasting and it's you can't even use the audio. But, yeah, a little ping pong ball. Oh, yeah. We can, we can handle that. Gary G. Cobb is so you're checking in from Florida. Usually, the, when we kind of lost connection there, I was asking if you had ever left the Philly market. After playing your playing days, you wound up covering uh, sports and been on TV and radio for many years. And it's always been a Philly thing for you, huh? Yeah, it's always been a Philly thing. Um, you know, I, I uh, you know started on the radio and then I started getting involved with television. And um, Philly is, you know, been welcoming. To me, and uh, well, really, our kids told us uh, near the end of my career. They said, "Well, I'll tell you what, you guys can go somewhere else if you want to, but we're going to stay here." <laughs> so, oh, is that so? Oh, uh, you know, I'm glad you told us that. I mean, you guys, you know, I didn't want you guys, you know, being that you guys are going to be paying this mortgage, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. you know, we knew then that they they were uh, they had friends here in the area, and that you know. Um, Philadelphia is going to be home, and plus we we, uh, we love Philadelphia. We love the area, uh, love the people, and um, the passion. You know that's what comes out in Philadelphia. Boy, there's a passion for for sports, and uh, it, it definitely uh, take you know they take it to another level. You know, I mean, and you know we saw that with the Super Bowl, the reaction to that, and everything. And now with Bryce Harper coming in and the Phillies, uh, it's exciting. And I, I get caught up in it, and uh, you can't help but get caught up in the. Uh, in the enthusiasm that that you see, and they, of course, they're off to a great start, and uh, we're thrilled to see uh, see them go through the entire season. It's going to be fun. Absolutely, Gary G. Cobb is our guest. Gcobb.com. If you want to look up the articles that he writes, and you have a few other folks who contribute on your site too, by the way, or is it mostly the stuff that you put together? Well, it's mostly stuff that I put together. I have some other people that contribute. Uh, but it's mainly, uh, you know, things that I do. I don't, I don't, you know, and I am not as intense as I've been in the past of writing and everything. But also do, you know, uh, doing podcasts and um, doing other things where people get a chance to, to get um, my opinion. Of course, I'm on Twitter. You can check me out there and on Facebook and on Instagram. So that I'm able to give my opinion, you know, because I love the, you know, uh, the reaction everybody has. Everybody's got their opinion, and people will stop me in the the line if I'm in the grocery store. <laughs> they will stop me. You know, I've had, even had guys follow me into the bathroom and go, "Wait a minute, whoa, 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 Tommy, that's a violation." <laughs> but 
<laughs> but anyway, they, they, they want to let me know their opinion. Now, they'll start out by saying they want to know my opinion. But I know that's not really what they're interested <laughs> in. They're really, they really want me to know their opinion. So yeah. listening yeah. to my opinion is the polite way of saying, okay, I listened to your opinion. Now you must listen to my opinion. So <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, and yeah. you and you know one one thing on why we enjoy having you on every now and again. And thank you for doing that. Is uh, you know you play the game, so you know what it's like on the football field, and by association on a professional sports field, you also have lived a lot of life on the other side of things, covering those teams. And then as it so happens, yeah. you're also a believer, loves God, takes that very seriously, and you know how important that is to keep your your life in view of that and keep things in the right place. So it's always great to have you on and. Uh, Thought we could, you know, have you on to to cover some sports and also just get a little life perspective from you too. You kind of touched on some of those things. I, I wanted to ask you about the Flyers for a second. Um, you know, it's just another one of those years. It seems like it's been this long malaise for quite a while. With it, just you think in Philly, we, you know, it would it would rise up higher, and they just kind of they're in the playoffs, they're out of the playoffs, they're kind of in the playoffs. And uh, what do you think it's going to take? To, you know, for how they may jump to the next level. Their season winds down this week. Well, I think the big thing is, you know, um, it's going to need to be, you know, committing to the youth movement. You know, it's committing to it. You know, that's going to, and I, I don't want to see them, you know, panic and say, oh, well, we're going to just start, you know, uh, bringing guys in just for the, you know, uh, the, you know, these quickies and everything. Um, they really need a different mindset, you know, the organization just kind of starting all over it. But I, I, I like the youth. Uh, I think they got to commit to it, and they've got to make a decision on the kind of guy that's going to bring them a winner. And they got to go out and they got to look for not just a player with a certain talent. You got to get people with the with the right mentality. They got the same attitude that you need uh, because that's really what separates you. You got to have, you know, players uh, with the kind of committed attitude. Uh, you know, to, to win consistently. And you, you have to have those young guys that you start there, there and you build. So yeah. I, I don't think they're as far away as people think. You know, a lot of times it happens quickly. But you definitely got to commit to get the right type of player with the right uh, type of mental attitude uh, to really make the turn. Gary G. Cobb, our guest, played for the Eagles for a number of years, also Dallas and Detroit. And uh, moving over across the street, well, I guess in the same building, uh, we, the Sixers, of course, are, are you know they're, they're seasonal compatriots or whatever, and they are in the playoffs, unlike the Flyers, and just a matter of where they're going to be. It looks like they're going to fit nicely in the third seed. Uh, how far do you think the Sixers can go? Well, I, you know, I, I think that um, you know, I, I think there's a way they could make the finals. You know, I, I think that that, that could happen. Uh, of course, you know, the, the fact that they don't have a lot of depth makes it tougher. And the fact that, uh, you know, they're going to have to pretty much, you know, ride with the, um, with their starters, you know, I, like, you know, after that, that, that the starting five, you know, they've got some players and everything, but really the excellence is in the starting five they have. They have as good of a starting five uh, as, of course, anybody in the Eastern, you know, and uh, next yep. to uh, Golden State, you know, you could say that they're, they're the best in the league. So, they 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 got to get it out of those guys, you know. Like they got to have outstanding performances. That's why you know Joel Embiid take all the time you you need you need off. But when the playoffs, 
we can't give you any days off, big fella. <laughs> we need you every game. You know, you have some days off in between games and everything, but we cannot, you know, any games he misses, I mean, how much chance are we going to win those games? So that, that uh, we need him. So, um, well, tell me, tell so me Joel this. Is, he's the key. Tell me this as a player. As as a player, yeah. you know how. What's the furthest you got when you played professional football? As far as closest uh, to winning, went into the play, went into the playoffs, into the second round. That's pretty much it. Okay, so when you're on a team, yeah. can you tell from the beginning of the season? Like, it, I mean, it's, fans, it's one thing. They're like, oh, if they get to this far, if they lose in the finals, that's a successful year. If they do this, as a player, what do you think about how far a team can go? Well, when you're as on a it, player, of course. You know, you're, you're a dreamer as a player, you know, so you're always thinking about winning the whole thing. Um, and, you know, that, that's the way, you know, it's, your mindset is. But realistically, you know that there are limitations, you know, to the talent you have. So, uh, but as a player, you, you're, you're thinking about winning the whole thing. But, you know, it, it, and now as, as, as uh, somebody on the side watching, I know that, hey, they could make the finals, uh, but if Golden State is healthy, I mean, you know, they've been playing around with the rest of the league. They are by far, by far the best team, and I, I, I think that uh, they'll beat anybody if they're playing their game and they're healthy. Yeah. You think Joel Embiid has what it takes to lead them as a, as a, as a I, young I, man? I, I, definitely, I, I definitely think so. I think that they can, can make the run. I, I think that um, uh, they're – you got guys on the team still improving. Uh, they're still getting used to playing with each other. So I still think that they've got a tremendous upside, and I think they can go to the finals this year. I definitely think they can do it. Uh, of course, uh, they, they, they cannot give games away. They've they got to cut down on the mistakes that they've been making, and they've got to be smart down the stretch to make sure they're taking good shots and can't be rushing and throwing up threes just for the sake of throwing them up, you know, down the stretch. So you got to play good down the stretch. That's really what it's going to be. And they're going to play some close games that are going to be decided in the last minute. So you better play great in the last minute because that's going to have a lot to do with how far they go. Finishing things out, indeed. Gary G. Cobb, kind enough yep. to take a few minutes to chat with us. Just another question or two for you. Let you get back to your are you on vacation or working or both. No, no, I'm down here with the NFL. You know, uh, next year we got the uh, Super Bowl right next door in Miami, so that's why we're down here and uh, we'll take a look at things and, uh, okay. you know, talking about, you know, some of the things with the league and things. So that's what they're down here uh, with these meetings. So you're on vacation. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, hey, well, hey, I tell you what, right now I am because I'm sitting out here in the sunshine looking at the Atlantic Ocean, man, and it's, it's a beautiful Fort Lauderdale Boulevard. It is gorgeous down here. <laughs> well, we uh, we talked about the Phillies a little bit. Bryce Harper on pace to hit 100 home runs, so everything's good there. They're not going to lose any games. Yeah. Uh, but the Eagles, yeah. and, and if people go to your site, gcob.com, they'll, they'll definitely see an Eagles emphasis to it. And they made a bunch of moves yeah. in the offseason. Uh, Deshaun Jackson uh, getting him. And uh, you think he'll fall in line? Is he older and wiser, fit in with the Eagles culture? I, I think he is older and wiser. I, I don't think he's going to be perfect. I mean, he's going to show his personality, and he's he's all about the flair, and um, you know, uh, he's still a wide receiver. So, 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 but, but I think he's definitely matured uh, uh, much more than the guy that left here, and I think people will see that. And 
Uh, I think also that uh, he's definitely what a, a part of the recipe because they needed a deep threat. He can still run, and he can get deep on the best of them. So I think that's definitely something that's going to help the football team. But I like the fact that they they are they uh, added Jordan Howard, a good solid running back. But you know, but they need other pieces, which is. Uh, they're probably going to, you know, get some running backs that uh, do some of the other qualities they need, but they definitely uh, did a good job in getting him. As far as Carson Wentz goes, too, you know, it's obviously weird how he goes from being the darling of the town to a crazy place no one could have predicted as far as being kind of quote-unquote upstaged a bit in some ways by Nick Foles with the Super Bowl. Uh, do you think there's more pressure, less pressure, or does it matter not at all that, you know, that Foles is gone in the sense that as an athlete, again, getting back in the athlete side of things, Fans can kind of guess at storylines, but in the locker room, your day-to-day work and your job is like it's a reality to you probably, right, compared to what is sitting around and thinking about the, all these different storylines. Do you think he's just about, look, I'm going to go back to work. I'm a football player. All the other stuff is stuff for you guys to talk about. So it doesn't bother me. Well, you know, I, I think he's in a tough position. I mean, it, and, and I tell you that uh, the big thing he's got to do is he's going to have to deal with this properly. He's going to have to not put so much pressure on himself. I thought last year – he took too much pressure on himself where he starts out a game, he's looking for a 50-yard bomb, a 60-yard bomb, um, and he's got to realize that um, don't put all the pressure on yourself. So every play has got to be the super play. You've got to be willing to, to take the short passes, uh, take what the defense gives them. That's really what Nick was able to do, which takes pressure off of the quarterback, takes pressure off of other guys on the team too. And so – he can't be pressing himself and trying to be Superman every play because it's very important that he stays healthy now. We don't have Nick backing him up anymore. <laughs> we so, can't call him up if he know, gets hurt? No, I guess we can't. Hey, we cannot. <laughs> He'll say sorry. You know, I, hey, we got nothing against Nick Subfeld, uh, but he's not he's not Nick Foles. So yeah. we we got to keep Carson healthy, and that's one of his jobs as a quarterback. So. You know, if a play doesn't look good, throw the ball away and go to the next play. But yeah. we, we don't need him running and trying to over, outrun people and jumping over guys and, and taking too many chances with his health because one of the big things he's got to do is stay healthy. So uh, yeah. I, I, I don't want to see him pressing himself, you know, where he's got to do everything by himself, you know. And don't worry about what Nick did and everything. Just take it a play at a time, a game at a time. And what do you say? Trust in the Lord. Do not, yeah. Do not get uh, put too much pressure on yourself. Because I, as I said, I think Nick is a guy. He's um, he's a hard worker. He really wants to be there for his teammates and everything. But a lot of times, you know, you you know what you got to do is you got to just pray about it, and and uh, you, you can't get into that worry part of it because uh, it doesn't help. It's just going to hurt the situation. Well, Carson, and obviously Carson's a very you know, vocal and obvious uh, about his faith in the Lord. And if there's somebody on the team who could realize, look, in a weird situation like this, and, and the whole storyline is as positive as, as it has been, he's somebody who would know, okay, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, you know, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So I'm sure he knows that. And it may be easier said than done, but, I, I, you know, at least he knows. And that's a good thing. Yep. Yeah. I tell you, when I'm in that locker room, I think I'm going to remind him. Because, you know, you, you just can't do everything. Um, and you've you got to uh, let the, your teammates help you. 
and he's got, he's got to play smart. So that it's going to be a challenge because he's got a lot on the line, boy. I tell you that he's got a lot on the line this year, and <laughs> yeah, we'll be praying for him. That sounds good. G, thanks for taking time. Gcob.com. You can uh, read Gary and stay in touch that way, and look him up on Twitter and all that. And we hope to have you again, you know, during the season. Hey, that, that sounds good, and uh, I hope the Phillies continue. Uh, the Sixers get ready for those playoffs, and <laughs> yeah, the Eagles they're putting the, they're putting the pieces in place. So this is an exciting time. And Flyers, we we'll, we'll still believe in you guys too. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. Enjoy your time in Florida, and we'll catch up again soon. Hey, sounds good, Tim. Uh, I will be in touch. All right. God bless you. Have a great rest of your day. All right. God All right. bless you, too. All right. Gary G. Cobb, our guest, kind enough to spend some time with us on the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560 WFIL, com. Short break. We'll check sports and weather and then come back with our uh, other guest of the hour. We're looking forward to having a gentleman who wrote a book. Uh, it's uh, uh, on the on the uh, life of Nirvana, uh, Kurt Cobain, the lead singer, and his 25-year anniversary of his passing. And uh, we'll get into that here in a little bit. And we also have some giveaways to do, so have our toll-free number ready to roll, 800-560-WFIL, 800-560-9345. Back in a moment, WFIL. Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560 WFIL and WFIL.com. 432 AM560 WFIL, WFIL.com. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show. Thanks for tuning in. Forecast calling for a kind of cloudy evening, low down to 38, making a shower or two. Tomorrow, start with clouds. Some sunshine tomorrow afternoon, breezy. Nice day, 64 the high tomorrow. Make it to 60 on Thursday. Sixers lost to Dallas last night. Flyers are at Dallas this evening in hockey at 8.30. Phillies are at Washington, 7.05, continuing the season. They swept Atlanta all three games to open the season at home. Now they head to Washington and uh, had a chance to go down to the ballpark Sunday night and talk with some of the players and part of a media session with Bryce Harper, their new big star, one of several really great acquisitions in the offseason. After the game, he was just asked to kind of sum up the team after the first few games. Here's what he had to say. You know, we were playing good ball. Um, the pitchers are throwing well. Um, defense playing good. Scoring runs when we need to. Clutch hitting, things like that. So, of course, every series isn't going to be like that. Um, but, you know, I hope it is. And um, you know, I thought we uh, did a great job uh, the last three days. That's Bryce Harper. And then he was also asked kind of like saying, you know what? You just signed this huge contract and you're with the team now. 13 years, $330 million. This first weekend really couldn't have been much better, much better scripted. You won all the games. Oh, it's been great. Um, you know, fans showed up uh, for us each night, and uh, especially when it's cold out there tonight, they still showed up, and you know that's what it's all about. You know they uh, they grind with us all year long, and that's what they're going to do. And uh, you know we appreciate that uh, tremendously, and they expect us to play good baseball, and uh, we expect ourselves to play good baseball. So as a team, you know we're we're going to go out there and you know, play the games we need to play, and play hard, and do it the right way, and you know that's what it's all about. Of course, they're not going to win every single game, like you mentioned, but they uh, in a three and zero, they're going to lose some games, but. Did he see a lot of potential for what the team can do? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, of course, we're early in the season, only three games, so we've got a long ways to go. Um, just got to keep, uh, you know, plugging along. And, you know, I said before, if we if we win each month and have, uh, you know, more wins and losses each month, then uh, we're going to be right where we want to be at the end. And it's going to be a grind. You know, it's going to be tough. You know, this is, uh, this is the NL East. You know, there's a lot of great teams in this in this league, and we just got to keep going, keep being ourselves, and uh, we'll be okay. You know, Joe, suddenly I have this feeling I want to go play ping pong. I don't know why. <laughs> 
the team was successfully uh, celebrating after the game, and they were playing some ping pong in the background there. One last thing about uh, Bryce. Talk to him about the fact that, hey, you're traveling right back to Washington, D.C. Now you're going to play the Nationals. It's a little two-game series, I think, today and tomorrow. And, uh, you know, what's it going to be like? What do you expect the fans? You were there for seven years, and now I uh, signed this big contract with the Phillies. What are you expecting when you return to the, the field tonight? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure, uh, you know, some cheers, some boosts as well. Um, you know, it's part of the game. It's, uh, you know, it's part of sports. So, you know, I'll, I'll always remember and cherish, you know, all the screaming and, you know, yelling and, you know, the exciting times that we had the last seven years. Like I've said before, you know, I wish them nothing but the best, uh, you know, all the players in that clubhouse. A great fan base, great city to live in. You know, I'm just excited to get back, compete, um, you know, do what we need to do as a team. I'm a Philadelphia Philly, so I'm excited to be a Philly, excited to be in the, you know, the city of Philadelphia. And, uh, you know, we're going back there to, you know, play a good team in the, in the Nationals, and uh, you know we're going to do it a couple more times this year and you know, a couple more times in the next 13 years. That's Bryce Harper the Philadelphia Phillies after they won Sunday night three games in a row, and now they head to Washington to continue the season. We continue our program. You're just tuning in, AM560, WFIL, WFIL.com. Uh, well, I've, uh, I've been working in radio for a lot of years. I guess it was 1988 was my first official year, so it's 30, was it 31 years? And early on, I worked at a top 40 station called B103. It was in State College, Pennsylvania. I went to Penn State to be a teacher. I actually have a degree in uh, math education. If I wasn't working in radio, that's what I would love to do. I love the classroom. I did some student teaching and uh, have a degree and all that. But I, I wound up staying in radio. And I had I'd been kind of going to school and working in radio at the same time in this top 40 station. It played everything. It played um, you know, pop and some, some dance music, some rock, and all different styles. But... There was a band that came out in the early 90s called Nirvana, and uh, lead singer was Kurt Cobain, and many folks may know of him. And I remember when the song Smells Like Teen Spirit, which was their first song, came out, it just caught everybody off guard. It was so different, and it wound up being a huge, uh, kind of a signature moment in terms of spawning a whole new genre of music. That, um, you know, it always exists. We hesitate to say it started something because there's usually something going on. And then it gets noticed, not that it just started at that point. But in any case, uh, every now and again, I get an interview opportunity. I'll come across my desk for something interesting. And because this is part of my radio history, and just because it, it interests me, because of the way this book is written, I happen to have an author who is his manager, uh, the manager of Kurt Cobain and Nirvana, when they blew up and became really a, a genre-defining band. Uh, his name is uh, Danny Goldberg, and the book is written in a very gentle way. Uh, uh, you know, Kurt Cobain uh, took his life 25 years ago, very well-known musician. Influenced a lot of people, and um, so anyhow, it was interesting to me just as a, as a music fan to have a chance to talk with Danny and uh, and discuss this book. Serving the servant is the name of it, and so uh, we bring him into the equation here. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. I'm 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 settled in. No echo. I'm I'm uh, happy to be alive and to be talking about this. Stuff. <laughs> Great. Had my coffee. Went to the bathroom. What could be bad? <laughs> that sounds good. Well, great. Thanks for taking time. Uh, to to hang out a little bit here, serving the servant. What a title! I, you know, it caught me right off the right off the top. What led you to, to naming the the book about Kurt serving the servant? Uh, you know, I always like song titles as titles, um, and I and I looked at his song titles. And on In Utero, the first track is called "Serve the Servants," plural, and it's a great song. It's one of my favorite songs that he wrote. It's the one that starts out with the line "Teenage angst has served me well." kind of commenting on the success of Nevermind. So I just did a play on words and called it Serving the Servant with the notion that he was kind of tuned into this muse, this artistic vision that only he could hear, but that he could translate for millions of people. And then the job for people like me that work 
with him was to try to help him do what he did, you know. So uh, it, it, it was a, a kind of a pompous way of saying I was his manager. <laughs> Danny Goldberg is our guest. He's the president and owner of Gold Village Entertainment, which is an artist management company. And your your days with Kurt, was it 90, 1990 to 94? Or? Yeah, I met him at the same time as the other members of the band. And I think it was November of 1990. They they came to Los Angeles looking for a manager. They had put out the indie record Bleach on Sub Pop and uh, wanted to uh, sign to a major and have a manage, manager involved. And we, we were mutually interested in each other because of Sonic Youth. I managed, My company managed Sonic Youth, and Nirvana had toured with Sonic Youth. They were icons in the indie alternative world, so, so that created kind of an instant mutual trust. And then I, I worked with him and knew him until, until he died. In uh, in uh, April of uh, of ninety four, just just around twenty five years ago. Wow, yeah. I, I uh, I've managed baseball teams and softball teams and the staff here at WFIL, but I've never managed an artist. What what's important when it comes to managing an artist in general? And and then did Kurt even fit that mold in Nirvana? Did you have to change your game plan a lot along the way? Or or was well, it- in in the era that I've been in the business, the word manager is a little deceptive because it sounds like we're in charge of something. And actually, we work for the artists. You know, uh, you know, in in the, in the uh, rock era, where artists are more empowered, you know, managers work for them. And and you know, there's a it varies from artist to artist and manager to manager what you do. Uh, in 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 the case of 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 Kurt and Nirvana, uh, you know, we had to make the deal with Geffen, uh, the major label, and to oversee the general logistics of the career. I had a partner named John Silva, who today is a super successful guy that has the Foo Fighters and other things. He was at that time the young guy. I was the old guy. <laughs> I was 40, and he was in his early 20s. And I, I, I knew that I was kind of of the hippie generation and needed somebody that was really tuned in in a granular way to the indie punk rock scene of the 80s that spawned Nirvana. And... Um, it's you're sort of it's the buck stops here. It's whatever has to get done. The manager does it. You know, you're you're dealing with the booking agencies, with the international career, with the media. And in some instances, and this did happen between me and Kurt, become kind of just a personal advisor and, and troubleshooter. So Nirvana was the band over the course of time. There were certain divisions uh, and, and I ended up working more closely with Kurt. Uh, and uh, I just wanted to document those years because it just seemed to me that his image was more about his death than about his life. Yeah. And, and I, when I think of him, I think of how brilliant he was. He was the most brilliant artist I ever got to work with up close. And, uh, and he was a very nice guy. All of his darkness was interdirected. He was nice to other people and had a sense of humor. And I felt there was room for another portrait of him. And so I just tried to describe those three and a half years uh, through my eyes, I'm an unreliable narrator, as they say. I'm not uh, objective. I love the guy, but uh, I I know that there are a lot of fans that still are interested in him, and I I thought I could paint a different version of those years when he had the greatest success with Nirvana. Danny Goldberg, our guest on the Tim DeMoss Show today, managed the band Nirvana in the early '90s. Has a book out called "Serving the Servant," remembering Kurt Cobain. And continuing our little chat in just a moment. Just a moment. AM five sixty WFIL WFIL.com. Live and local, it's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. 445, 
560 WFIL, WFIL.com. Turning up the notch a little bit here today on our fine broadcast. Smells like teen spirit. And heard this song on the radio on a shift I've been on in many years since it came out, really, in the early days. We happen to have Danny Goldberg on with us. He has written a book remembering Kurt Cobain, the lead singer of the group Nirvana, who took his life 25 years ago. The book is called Serving the Servant. And uh, I've worked in radio, as mentioning earlier, um, Danny, to the uh, listening audience before we started our chat together, that I've, I've worked in radio a lot, a lot of years. And I, that's, you know, in those early days came across uh, this band. But um, I have seen a lot of examples of what's reported or what the public perceives to be as true, to you know, either be partially true or actually completely incorrect. Sometimes there's just a, you know, a, a narrative floating around that's not the case. So whether, you know, whatever angle you want to take this, can you explain or share a story or two, just kind of everyday stuff uh, that might paint a bit of a picture about Kurt Cobain? Well, I, you know, when Nevermind first came out, uh, the idea was to do, to be in Seattle for the first day. By this time, Kurt and the other was living in L.A., but but obviously Seattle was where they had launched their career and where they lived, and they did an in-store, and it was a huge thing in Seattle. It was a Peaches store, and um, all he was bugging the um, the local promotion person about was to make sure that a fanzine of some feminist friends of him from Portland was going to be in Peaches, you know, at a moment of, of a maximum attention to him and in hometown uh, you know, return, you know, he he was worrying about his uh, his uh, his friends. Uh, in general, the members of Nirvana were always discussing if they knew they were going to be on TV or have their photo taken, what T-shirts to wear because they wanted to draw attention to these more obscure punk bands that inspired them. Hmm. And, in, uh, you know, in, in terms of uh, personally to me, he, he just uh, he was just so nice. You know, he said nice things and and was 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 really uh, considerate. Uh, considerate friend which uh, not everyone who's brilliant and successful is also a nice person i suspect you figured that out over the years yeah. as well yeah yeah uh, absolutely <laughs> and, uh, and uh, he was so i i just try to uh tell the story the best i the, the, the best i could but but he he's uh he was a sweetie he had demons he was prone to depression he had a heroin problem which was very very bad for him and he killed himself there's no getting around those dark facts but while he was alive a lot of his time was spent being an artist. He was a tremendous work ethic when it came to his art. Uh, really reinvented rock and roll, and and uh, for the '90s, and, uh, and 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 he represented a kind of compassion and integrity to his fans. And he was that same guy in real life. He was very much loved by the people around him as well as by his by his fans. I was working at a top 40 station uh, in 1990 uh, near State College, Pennsylvania, when uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit came out. And I remember <laughs> we were a top 40. We played all kinds of stuff. But I right. still remember thinking, what is this? <laughs> and same for our, the people, our, our college students and people in town. We're like, wow, what, that's so different. And yet I'm drawn into it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, that was the thing about him as an artist was he somehow fused the musical languages of pop, because he wrote these great choruses and riffs that you know would stick in your head after one listen, and he was a student of that. The the uh, the metal where he could rock as hard as anybody, and and the punk alternative culture which spawned him, and he had the integrity and the personal connection of punk, but he had the musical skills. And I when 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 I first talked to the people at the label about 
trying to get onto top 40 stations, the promo guy there said, what's wrong with you? It's, a, it's for Paula Abdul. There's no hard rock on these <laughs> formats. And finally, there was a programmer in Atlanta. I still remember her name, Leslie Fram, who, who just decided to experiment with smells like Teen Spirit. And within about two weeks, stations like yours in, 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 in Pennsylvania were, were playing it because the research came back so strong. Same with metal stations. The metal stations didn't want to play because they thought that the guys in pickup trucks Trucks who liked Van Halen were not going to like a punk band, but but and it ended up being one of the most played uh, records on all the metal stations, and of course it was number one on alternative. So these are just radio formats and trades of art. But what it really meant was that audiences who never were in the same room together were in the same room when they saw Nirvana concerts. That he somehow united a bunch of disparate teenagers yeah. into one notion that uh, that there was something different than what we called hair metal or, you know, hair bands. And he, he just kind of took back the idea of rock as an art form and not merely as entertainment, but he also was really entertaining. Yeah, that's funny you mentioned Paula Abdul. We were playing her every single hour pretty much. when <laughs> Right, that was the paradox. How do you go from Paula Abdul... <laughs> Janet Jackson. I got nothing, yeah, Janet Jackson to Nirvana, but that's how talented he, the guy was. And when I say him, because obviously Nirvana was three people, sure. I don't mean any disrespect. Dave Grohl's had an amazing career in the Foo Fighters. Christo Veselik was Kurt's best friend since high school and, and, and a brilliant guy in his own right. But Kurt did write all the songs. He was the lead singer. He was the lead guitarist. He designed the album covers. He storyboarded the videos. And he made all the decisions. So I, 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 uh, I know I'm an advocate, but those are just facts. <laughs> he, he was the vision of Nirvana. Danny Goldberg being kind enough to spend a little time with us. Maybe one last question for you. Can you pick one thing out about Kurt that um, people might be surprised about in a, in a good way? Just, to, like, I, just think to... how, I think how hard he worked. You know, he had this image of kind of being a slacker. He liked to wear pajamas and junk food and, you know, uh, you know some slouched a lot when he did interviews. But when it came to music, uh, leading up to Nevermind, he insisted that they rehearse eight to ten hours a day for three months. He, they went into the studio with every nuance of that record planned out. Uh, so he had a tremendous work ethic when it came to his art, notwithstanding kind of the way he looked when he talked to people and stuff. Yeah. That was great. Thank you for taking time. It's a pleasure. And you have a, a kind tone to you. I've read some reviews also on the book. Other people seem to have that feeling that this is a book, Serving the Servant, that has a, a, a positive vibe to it as opposed to, like you said, just the the, uh, the end. You know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a love letter. Yeah. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Have a great day. That's Danny Goldberg, author of a new book called Serving the Servant, Remembering Kurt Cobain, lead singer of Nirvana. He managed the band in the early 90s and has a an inner circle uh, view of things. And I was interested in chatting with him as I came across this book because uh, I had it's part of my radio journey in terms of uh, working in Top 40 Radio and being aware of that song is a, a landmark song, one of a number in uh, rock history that's kind of changed the course of things or, or defined a genre. I tell you what, we have exactly five minutes and 60 seconds left in our fine broadcast. So uh, the world's easiest contest will now take effect. If you have a vowel in your name, give me a call. And if you can get through in the next five minutes and 60 seconds, we'll hook you up with a Duncan or a Wawa gift card courtesy of Brian or Chevrolet. Is that fair? I think so. But you have to have a vowel in your name, first or last name. 800-560-WFIL, 560 9345. Give a quick call between now and the end of the show. If you can get in, you win one. AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com.
It's the Tim DeMoss Show podcast, available at WFIL.com. Thanks for listening. Oh, there we go. It's 456 on AM 560 WFIL. Got some calls coming in. Let's see. We want to make a winner in the world's easiest contest. Uh, hello? Well, hello, Timmy D. Yes. I have a few vowels I hope that can qualify. <laughs> you don't even have to buy them. Oh, good. That's good. I've got, let's see, I've got a couple of A's and an O and an I. It's Linda. Amos, congratulations. Uh, thanks, Tim. Thank You're you welcome. so much. Let me grab another call. We'll put you on hold and get your gift card out to you. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a good evening. You too. Uh, hello, WFIL. Hi, I'm just responding to the contest. You have any vowels in your name? I do. What? Which ones? <laughs> my first and my last. Yeah, but what are the vowels? U, uh, A, and another U, June uh, Ferris. June Ferris. We'll take your word for it. Congratulations, you win. Let's make one more winner, at least. Hello. <laughs> Oh, you don't win anything because there's no vowels in a dial tone. I mean, the words dial tone have vowels. We have another minute. If you call in and you have a vowel in your name somewhere, this is the world's easiest contest, then you win a Duncan or Wawa gift card. You choose. Hello, WFIL. Hi. Hi. Who's this? Beverly Hall. And where are you from? Springfield, Pennsylvania. You have a few vowels in your name plus a sometimes Y. So Yeah. Maybe you should get, like, two gift cards. I think so. <laughs> what do you think, Joe? Joe says, sure. Yeah, it's easier for you to say than your gift cards. We're going to do that, though, you know? We're just going to do it. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. We'll give you one All of right. each. <laughs> Congratulations. Have Thank a great you. night. We'll get put you on hold here. We'll get your info. Let's we'll sneak in one more. 800-560-WFIL. got half a minute before the show's over. We can get one more caller. If not, I'll keep it. No. Uh, so thanks for listening in today. Danny Goldberg, author of the book Serving the Servant, our guest, Gary G. Cobb, our guest as well, from gcobb.com. Wow, what a good day. All right, we'll make one more. Let's slip it in. Hello, what's your name? Hello? What's your name? Yeah, what's your name? My name is Toya. Where are you from? I'm from Lumberton, New Jersey. You're a winner. Jim Maxim's up next. WFIL, bye. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.